Hi, welcome to Web3 for Basic Bitches. My name is Vanessa. I'm your co-host. And I'm Claudia. Today's guest, Crypto Retina. His nine to five, he's a software engineer and his five to nine works as a degen algorithmic trader and creator. Pat, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me guys. Happy to be here. All right, Pat, question we ask everyone, only one other person has been on the show, but what makes you a basic bitch? What makes me a basic bitch? Well, I'm friends with you guys. That's definitely, that's one, that's one thing. Yeah, that's at the top um, of the list. Yeah. What else? I, I guess I'm kind of, I've kind of like turned into like a basic ass gym bro, you know, like just game central, you know, I've been working on the biceps. It's not looking bad, actually. I can't believe oh, you're doing it. Yeah, it's, pretty, it's probably the most basic thing about me. Like, oh, let's get a good fucking chest pressing, you know? Like, yeah, basic as fuck. And I think also another thing that would make me basic is, you know, I've been doing a lot of learning on TradFi, but I really don't know as much as I would like to on TradFi. And when I speak to people who are really in-depth on the, on the subject, I feel like a basic bitch, you know? I'm like... Oh, like, I want to go to Starbucks. You know, like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, so, yeah. Dude, I feel you on the basic bitch side of the gym. Just talking with Claudia yesterday, how I was like, I think my love about fitness and health is very bro-y. So it feels like the gross thing about me. I'm like, yeah, man, let's go to the gym. And for real, gains work out really hard. And it's, if you're not doing it, you're, you're not going to make it. Right. I, I literally just started taking creatine this week. Oh, gains. Yeah. You're about to be so, so bold. Yeah. yeah, I've been taking creatine. I guess you have to go through like a preload phase. I don't know. I don't know shit about this, but you gotta do like a preload phase, like getting your system. So I'll, I've had to drink, well, I need to take one of my dosages tonight. I've had to take it four times a day to get like preloaded, you know? I'm like, starting up, I'm like, what? I'm just like, what's happened to me, you know? Like, for how long? Like, how long? How long? Is that like so a week, five, two weeks? Uh, five days, four times a day to get it like in the system, right? Get it flowing. And then once a day. So I've been finding weird ways to like do it. I put it in my protein. Uh, I put it in my pre-workout. They say it has no taste, but it tastes like a fucking Excedrin. You guys know what an Excedrin tastes like? It's kind of weird. I mean, it's kind of weird to know no, what an no. Excedrin tastes like. But like. Like chalk is what I imagine. Like a pill, you know? like tasteless like no this is definitely pill flavor you know <laughs> mm, mm, mm. yeah but you're gonna have to do some before and afters because i've seen those people take creatine religiously for like three months and they fucking like pop yeah yeah so so, I, so many people told me like you're working out but you're not taking creatine so like you don't care about like actually making progress and getting gains do you I'm like no I, I do care i do you know so I'm I feel like, like that's right, why i'm here sweating yeah, so definitely doing that. Um, but I was going to say, you know, what makes you a basic bitch that you did not mention what, is that you have a beautiful, luscious little garden that you take care of. You also have like a favorite Mexican restaurant that you took us to and you were like, oh my God, you have to try it. I'm pretty sure it was the mojitos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah yep. It was a good mojito, man. It was a good mojito. It was really good. Miami, and when you get to go to the Cuban restaurant and they get you the mojito with the fucking sugar cane in it. Now that, that is yeah. a good mojito. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm fucking <laughs> down. The topic of conversation today 
started on March 13th when Pat to get your bags because the money printer was going to go burr. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, I mean, it really all started with like Silicon Valley bank and the banks collapsing. And so I'll kind of, I'll kind of just go over that, like what it happened from, from my understanding and right. Silicon Valley bank, they basically ran into a duration risk where they were buying long dated treasuries at actually I should back up even further than that because what made them, what made them go and do this in the first place, right? Well, the federal reserve kept rates very low for, for a long time. And then Silicon Valley bank went in search of yield. They went and bought long dated treasury with depositors money. Right. And when you buy a bond, you can sell that bond later and you can either sell it for a profit, you can sell it for a loss. And that right there is like the first mistake in my opinion is that like depositors want a vault like system. Depositors want to put money into a place where I guess the best way to say is depositors want a vault, not a hedge fund, right? I want a hedge fund with a part of my money, right? If I want a hedge fund with maybe 10% of my money. I give it to a hedge fund, go out there and fucking degen, buy Bitcoin at 100x and make me some fucking luck, make me some money, you know? But the, uh, the rest, I do that with 10% of my funds. But the other 90%, I want there when I come back, right? And so SVB is like, well, no, we're going we're gonna to take your money. We're going to go out and we're going to degen with it. Now, most people wouldn't consider degen to go and buy treasury bonds. They're supposed to be the safest asset that you can buy. Yeah, they're the safest asset that you can buy if you hold them to maturity, right? And holding them to maturity is if it's a five-year bond, you hold it for five years. And you, you, after the five years, you make whatever the yield is on it, right? So you make back your initial and then you make back the yield that's on it, right? And so the Fed kept rates extremely low. And so in search of yield, they go and take your deposits and they go and buy a fuck ton of bonds. And they bought them at a very low rate, something like 0.01. I don't know exactly what the number is. And they're like, they basically made a bet. They're like, oh, all right, we're going to buy these at super low and it'd be fine. That's not going to raise, that's not going to raise rates. We know what's going to happen, right? And I always say this thing in trading where I'm like, you need to respect the market. You need to respect the fact that you don't know what's going to happen. And I feel like that's, they disrespected the market, right? That we know what's going to happen. We're, Fed is not going to raise these rates, right? As if, as if they had some fucking blood covenant, you know, like, Oh no, Jerome Powell came over and we fucking both cut our thumbs and put it on a, on a fucking piece of paper. I know he's not going to raise these rates and wreck my bank, you know? And so they did, when you disrespect the market, the market punishes you. I've learned that several times. I'm still learning that, you know? And the market, um, like, literally threw their fist in their mouth and was like, I am going to take out your guts. Right. Right. And like, I, I feel like you should always be acting like you don't know what's going to happen. And when you act like you don't know what's going to happen, you move differently than you do when you do know what's going to happen, right? And so they acted like they knew what's going to happen. They put a bunch of money into the sh- uh, long duration bonds. And then governments, the government raises the interest rate at the fastest pace, I think, in history. I'm not 100% sure to say that as a fact, but I think it's in history. If not, it's the longest it's been in a long time. 
And so uh, the Fed raises like rates. the highest since like the 80s or something. Highest since the 80s. Like, oh, you know what? It's the fastest the, uh, the rate of change, I think, of all time. Highest since the 80s, the fastest rate of change of, of all time. And so governments raise rates. So, oh, fuck. Uh, we put a bunch of people's money in these bonds at a low rate. And so, right, if I'm going to buy a bond, and if you're trying, if, if Claudia is trying to sell me a bond, and Vanessa's trying to sell me a bond, and Vanessa's bond gives 0.01, and I think, I don't know what the current yield is right now on the treasury. I think it's like 4.5%, something around there. And Claudia has a bond that has, for 4.5%, I would rather buy the bond from Claudia. Only way I'm going to buy the bond from you, Vanessa, is if you sell me the bond at a loss, right? Because you both are trying to sell the bond for the same price. So you sell me at a loss, okay, I'll buy it from you because it's cheaper. And so governments governments raise rates. Raising the rates causes, like, uh, uh, when you raise the rates, people become more financially frugal, I'd like to say. And so you have less VCs out in the economy just throwing money at fucking startups, throwing money at crypto projects, throwing money at just everything like it used to be when it was easy money policy. Now we're in a harder money policy. So we move, so we move with, uh, we move with, we move with caution, right? And so startups are struggling to raise capital, right? And so then we get to the point where Silicon Valley bank has to sell the bonds and now they have to sell the bonds at a loss, a $2 billion loss right? A $2 billion loss. And uh, talk to each other, like Silicon, like Silicon Valley is like, it's a, uh, a close knit of a bunch of VCs and super rich people and, and blah, 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 blah. And word spreads super quick, you know, word spread really, really fucking quick. And when you hear, I don't know who was the one that started it. Was it Peter Thiel? It was some big name, but when you hear some big name is taking his money out, well, fucking, you know, a lot of this, there's some traders whose their trading strategy is literally just to follow the smart money like that's their strategy they follow what the big accounts do like there's uh, some people even on crypto they'll follow the smart wallets they'll follow i was reading a, a article from miles deutsche that he was you know you want to find the next airdrop follow the wallets who've gotten every single airdrop right and so people follow the smart money smart money's pulling i'm pulling right fucking huge, huge fucking bank run. Right. And so that's pretty much, that's pretty much what happened. Right. And I'll let you know. Can I ask? Yeah. 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 Okay. What caused the bank run though? Because, and also I don't really know anything about Silvergate, but didn't Silvergate close, like close down a few days before SVB? They did. I spent most of my time understanding Silicon Valley Bank because this was the second largest bank collapse since 2008. And so that's where a lot of my focus was. It's like, how the, right? How did this happen? Silvergate, to me, to my uneducated opinion about what happened at Silvergate, is uh, the government doesn't want you doing this fucking crypto shit, right? That's enough of that. Okay. Snip, snip. I just, well, that's enough of this fucking crypto bullshit. Bitcoin, none of this more. None of this more. Because 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 we've got dollars to devalue, you know what I mean. So we we need we need to close some of these uh, exit ramps. Uh, wait, what was your question again? Oh, what caused the bank run? So like, so like oh, how how was it? Oh, like, why did they have to sell those bonds at such a loss? Right. So um, inflation, right? 
Not necessarily. So, you know, b- before I answer that, Kristen Cinema from Arizona, you gotta find out who she is. She she did like a small oh, little her the name. Um, you say what? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. She's like a senator here. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's like a senator. She did a small little little chat to yell at you know how like politicians get up and they yell at everyone, like you know, yelling at people, like what the fuck? Yeah. Guys? And she's like, How does a bunch of like 13th page Reddit form neckbeard dude? And I'm summarizing this like in a modern way, right? She said this in a very different way. But she's like, how does you know this guy on the back page of fucking Reddit and these nerds on Twitter figure this out before financial regulators figure this out? And so basically what people, the bank run is calls from people finding out that, hey, they don't have the fucking funds, right? The funds are not safe. Funds are actually with seafood, you know? And so they, they find out, hey, they, there's not, basically what happens is you find out there's not enough money in the bank for everyone. So I'm going to pull my money out before you do. Mm-hmm. You're like, I'm going to pull my money out before fucking you, this guy does, money out before she does, you know? And then it's just a domino effect. Okay, so all like people started catching wind after SVB, and then after that, it's like you know certain people told other people, and then it made its way into Reddit or like all these small groups that were like, "Bitch, get your money out!" Yeah. You know, all these big time people in Silicon Valley are taking out their money, so get your shit out. Yep, exactly, and uh, you know it's it's. It's funny because I just I just feel like in this in this day and age where information travels at 186,000 miles per second, okay, right? Information travels at the speed of light, basically, speed of electricity. Word's going to spread fast if you ain't got the funds, right? Fractional reserve lending worked way better back in the 30s when like you had to when it was word of mouth, right? Like, oh, I find out at work that a bank doesn't have the funds. Okay, my family doesn't know until I get home, right? Now your family's calling you at work, you know, like, hey, pull our money out, right? And so I just, I wonder how fractional reserve banking can really work in this day and age where information can spread so fast. I don't know if you saw, but some bankers were saying, this is all Twitter's fault. This is Twitter's fault that this happened. This is, it's you guys going through our fucking bank statements, figuring out that we don't have the funds and then posting it online, spreading the, you know, getting everybody all riled up and now everyone's yep. coming and wrecking the banks. And I mean, yeah. The, and that the system is fine. It's going to work itself out, but everyone's freaking out for no reason. And this is why we don't tell people is because everyone freaks the fuck out. Yeah. It's like, it's not our fault that we bought a bunch of long duration treasuries thinking that rates wouldn't go up. It's your fault for looking at our balance sheet and figuring it out and spreading FUD, FUD on, right? Fear, uncertainty, and doubt on the interwebs. And now look what you've got. You've got everybody up in arms wanting to pull their money out, you know? So yeah, hold on. I, I think just turned down my air conditioner because I'm getting, I'm getting heated. Yeah, I feel like that was a really good tangent of kind of spreading the FUD around of the fear and uncertainty. And Balaji certainly did that with his tweet about basically telling everyone, you know, the dollar's going to go to zero and Bitcoin is going to go to a million dollars. What's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely wish, I mean, he did every time he talked about it, he did phrase it this way. I just feel like a lot of people, it's a Bitcoin to a million dollars. It's 
the dollar to zero. You know what I mean? It's the dollar to zero. Like, <clears throat> granted, I like, think saying like Bitcoin to a million dollars is that that's attention grabbing versus the other way around. Like what you really meant was the, the yeah. dollar going to zero. Yeah, definitely. And it's funny because like Bankless did Balaji first, Bitcoin to a million dollars, and then they did Arthur Hayes dollar to zero, <laughs> you know? So it kind of, it kind of really uh, all turned it together. But I mean, do you think that it might not be in a 90 day period? But do you think we're going to see something where the value of the dollar goes, like we are no longer the gold standard of the world and we pass that on to a different currency? Yeah. So definitely, it's funny. I have like a conflicting view because I don't think that Bitcoin will go to a million dollars in 90 days. But I also believe that we as humans have a problem thinking of things exponentially, right? Exponential thought is something that we struggle with. And so it's like, it's good. It's like, I know this. And so I'm like, oh, well then you should think that it can happen in 90 days. And it's funny because I think Bitcoin can go to a million dollars in 90 days. I don't think it's going to happen in 90 days. You know what I mean? I read a good article by a buddy of mine, Patrick Nav. The name of the article is the mathematical lies of bank, bank balance sheets. Uh, Axiom Alpha, plug him because super smart dude. He um, basically digs deep into how banks lie on the balance sheet. And I already kind of talked about the first one. And that was that the majority of assets on the bank's balance sheet are not reported at fair market value. And so that meaning that, so, so remember I was saying that I believe this run was caused by people actually looking at the balance sheet and figuring out if you, they say they have this much, but if they were to sell it today, they don't, right? And so they're putting out statements saying that they have this much, but if you were to sell it today, it's like, it's like something that we call unrealized loss, right? It's like, yeah, okay, you're going to get back your investment plus 0.01%, but not today, right? You're down today, right? And so one, one of the ways that they, they do that is they, uh, they don't report it at a fair market value, right? And then another one is when they do say fair market values, it's usually not exactly what the fair market value is. And he gave a good example of, I think he was talking about Tesla's, but I'm gonna talk about Bitcoin. So if I was, if I could, if I was gonna sell one Bitcoin right now, you know, I would sell it for, what is it, 27K? I look right now, it's a million. Uh, right, I'd sell it for 28K right now, right? It'd be like breaking news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is live. Yeah. I'm like live streaming, fucking said it. I know, I immediately pull up the charts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what the- For real. But like if I were to sell, a Bitcoin right now, I know what I could sell it for, $28,223, right? But if I were to sell my car right now, how much could I sell it for? Well, the Kelly Blue Book value is this. I look it up in this place, it's that. This person says it's this, right? And so basically what he was saying that, that they do is they don't say what the true value is because they don't, they kind of don't know. So they're allowed to kind of embellish on what, the value of some of their assets are. That makes sense. 
You seem like you want to say. Something. I thought that's something you have to report on your account, like in your balance sheet, depreciation as well as appreciation. So, so they why do. Don't, why don't they do that? So they do, and this is how people found it out because it's public knowledge, right? It's the sleuths that go through this. And Kristen Cinema's right. Why don't like like I said, he wrote an article about it, and he goes through all the banks, well, not all of them, but he goes through banks and he gives you examples. And he shows you how they do it based off of the public information that they have. And that's, that's, that's kind of what initiated this is that the fact that it's public knowledge and that these people, people like him, you know, who can add one, one to two, right. And figure out that it, that it wasn't adding up. But what's interesting is that, and Balaji said this in, in his interview with Bankless is that a lot of, a lot of the stuff like that would blatantly be uh, funds are not safe. They put it in, in the fucking footnotes. They put it in the footnotes. So it's like, you know, he's like, we're paying for these regulators and we're paying for them to regulate, right? And they're allowing the banks to put information that should be at the top in bold in a hundred font in the footnotes, right? At the at the very at the very bottom. And thank God there's people like Patrick, he goes by Ricky. And thank God there's people like, you know, the 13th guy on the 13th page of Reddit who actually go through this fucking shit. Who know? actually read the, the little tiny things at the bottom because like, yeah, they, he showed it up in Bankless and was like scrolling through it and highlighted it. And if, honestly, I'm sure the majority of people just, you know, skim on by because it's not something that stands out to you. It just seems like useless extra information that you don't necessarily need to know but it's mm -hmm. the most important thing from the yeah. entire sheet. Yeah. Thank God there's people out there who read the, what am I trying to say? You know, you know, when you like sign the, like uh, sign away your rights to use this app and we just like fucking click it, you know, like, yeah, here, yes, you can, yeah, you can have my first board. You know, just let me into this app so I can do whatever I need to do. Yeah. Like Another terms thing. of agreement. Terms of agreement. That's what it is. Yeah. Like yeah. Long exactly. ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I don't think I've ever read the terms of service. God knows what I've signed away. Or it's really like the, the, I mean, certain stores have like that too when it comes to returns or like rewards that you can get or a lot of airlines have it. Like there's two people I follow on Instagram where that's, they, one was a lawyer. No, both of them were lawyers and they read all of that shit. And that's all they do is like, they read that stuff and they tell you, this is what you can do that you mm -hmm. didn't even know you could do. Yeah, and then yeah, you go- Yeah, fine print. Thank you, Sian. Fine, fine print. print, they read the fine print. Sian, yeah, uh, yeah. So I, you don't I, have to, exactly. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Where, where did you learn this? Oh, I learned this from Erica. So, you know, blah, 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 blah. yeah. It is yeah. Erica. It is Erica's one of them. Yeah, there's another one. You're so basic. I can't. <laughs> hey, you never know. Erica could have been the one that freaking started all of this, you know? Erica was like, hold on a second. If, Silver, if Silvergate Bank sells all these bonds right now, they're fucking wrecked, you know? So, oh, that'd be funny. That, that would be funny. But yeah, and then the third, I mean, so he goes through three main points, right? That the majority of assets on the bank's balance sheet are not reported fair market value. The disclosed fair market values can be manipulated. And my favorite one, which was, it's funny too, before, before I say it, he, he posted the article and I, I was like, well, for, for one, I gave him shit because he was telling me that. He's like, yeah, I'm going through all this bank information, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, bro, what are you looking for? Like, they don't have the money. You know, like I can tell you right now, I don't need to go through pages of bank balance sheets to tell you that they don't have the funds, you know? 
but seeing how they how they do this hand waving, the sleight of hand, right? Like the you know, like the uh, the force, right? Like right. And so yeah, the third the third thing that he said was uh, off balance sheet mitigation liabilities. And so he gave an example of if they borrowed a million dollars to increase their customer base, they would have to disclose that. But if they let off half of their litigation team or you know half of their legal team, and then they gather a billion dollars in uh, litigation because they are getting sued for stuff because their legal team's gone so or their compliance team's gone and they're not doing as good of a job as being compliant. So they're racking up all these fines. They don't have to put that down as a liability when it actually is a liability, right? And so- um, So it's like, it's like no wonder why all these big ass companies are so fucked. Just like, <laughs> yeah. why they, they don't want to be- you know, better people or better companies, things like that, because they're incentivized to not, I mean, I mean you know, just point. to save the money. And that's one thing that makes me feel like Bitcoin can get to a, get to a million, a thousand dollars. I mean, everything's possible. Okay. Everything's possible. But it is because like, what did we just do? We just said that, Hey, bank, if you go out and you make a bad fucking bet, you DJ, right? You lever up to the fucking neck. You're, you're fucking like this in the pool of water. We'll fucking, we'll toss, we'll get, we'll throw you the raft, you know? You, you know, you know, we're not going to let you go down, you know? We'll throw you the raft. We'll get you guys out, blah, 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 right? And that, when you see that, then you're like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fucking, you know, lever up, hundred up to the neck and I'm going to fucking DJ and I'm going to do yeah. all these things. And like that. Fucked up again. Can I have more money? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and the banks can we can only bail them out so much before hyper before it sends the dollar to zero, right? What do you think will be the thing that makes it go to zero? Or like at what is it happening when they talk about Bitcoin and Ethereum and like I think it's the market cap? Is that the term? So happening for Bitcoin is the supply ratio decreasing, right? So if you look at the inflation rate of Bitcoin, it kind of like goes up like this and then it kind of like steadies out, right? And so the happening is decreasing the amount of Bitcoin that is given out every block that's mined. Not really related to what happens with the US dollar. Well, or, or not really, but I think, I think maybe you're thinking like the, the US dollar is losing like half of its value. I mean, I guess that's an interesting way to look at it. The US dollar happening. But, but yeah, those are, those are kind of different, if you know what I mean. What's the relationship with Bitcoin and Ethereum? I, I, like, I feel like I would hear the guys on Bankless talk about it. It was like the flipping, the flipping or the happening. I, I don't right. remember so, the correct okay. term. So the happening, right? Happening is an event that's going to happen in one year and like 23 days, I believe. Something around that. Where the issuance rate of Bitcoin that are issued per block is going to go down. The flipping is when the ETH market cap is greater than the Bitcoin market cap. So okay. flip, you know, you, you log on the coin market cap and ETH is number one. That would be the flipping, right? And there's some- Flips around. <laughs> yeah, no, it's totally cool. And there's some interesting, like, well, when you look at the two policies, 
Bitcoin's inflation rate kind of like, you know, like I said, it goes up and it uh, steadies. But if you look at ETH's inflation rate, it's actually deflationary, right? Where since EIP 1559, they're burning ETH, I think with uh, gas, they're burning it with every single gas transaction. I'm not 100% sure. I know they're burning it, but not yeah. all the parameters in which they uh, burn it on. And it's actually- It's based off the previous block. It's based Maybe. off the previous block. And then I forget, it's like a, a number that's involved. And then if it's like higher, then the gas estimation is lower. And it just goes back and forth, just trying to like be as efficient as possible. But yeah, that's how it's, so yeah. it's actually uh, deflationary right now. If you go to ultrasoundmoney.com, you can see that it's actually deflationary right now. And those, that type of, I mean, that type of mechanic kind of does make me think that it could flip Bitcoin because that's just really, that's really, that's really interesting, you know? With being, I like the with, reason why, sorry, why they also did it. Because like with Bitcoin is if you weren't early, like you're, you're kind of fucked. Like you're never going to have those, that ability to buy Bitcoin at a really low price. So it's just not accessible to everyone. Whereas Ethereum gives you that opportunity. So even if you're, you know, 10 years old right now, you know, if you're 30 and 20 years, you might, it won't be as bad for you. I want to challenge that though, right? Because if you put, if you buy Bitcoin right now and it goes to a million dollars, I mean, at 28K, that's a great fucking entry price. You know what I mean? That's a, that's a really great entry price. And so many people come into crypto and get wrecked and they're like, why would I buy? Why would I get like 0.001 of a Bitcoin when I can buy this shit coin and have 1 billion of it? And then if it goes to $1, I'll have $1 billion. Like, yeah. Is that, of course, and I'm not saying that ETH is the shit coin, right? Usually, usually people think the same thing about ETH as well. Like it's gone too, it's already too, it's gone already, right? It's, it's too high, it's too high. It's never gone, it's, it's, it's gone. I need to buy the shit coin that I can have a billion of it and, it, and then if it goes to a dollar, I have a billion dollars. Why do that when I can buy, right? Why, why buy Bitcoin when I can do that, you know? But it's like, that logic would make sense if you're like, Bitcoin's done. It's done. Like it's not going up anymore. It's over, you know? Like. It's out. It's going to fall to page 16 on coin market cap. There's other coins that are going to come up to, to pay. If that's your thesis, then I would agree. But if, I mean, if that happens, I, I wouldn't know what to think anymore. But if, that, if that's the thesis, then, then I could see like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But other than that, I don't think the boat's gone. Especially when shit, when banks are fucking bending over right now. Bending over to Bitcoin, you know? Like, it, it's not, it's definitely not too, uh, not too late. <laughs> How do you invest your money? Are you all crypto? Do you still sprinkle anything at all? Like in TradFi? No. So I think, you know, Carvana got me into stocks because they gave us some stock and I was like, oh, you know, I work here. Like they're doing good. I'm going to buy some stocks. I'm going to buy some Carvana stock. Yeah. Dude, it's at like $8. I know. It, yeah. So it dropped a lot while I was still working there and it dropped just under 40 and I bought some thinking, hell yeah. And it was like hanging at like 50 for a while. And then, then it just like dropped to like $4 and I should have bought some just to like hedge myself, you know, like right. at that point, what would be a hundred dollars. Right. But you learned the valuable lesson. I bought that. Solana. <laughs> you learned the valuable lesson. I was like, like 50% can drop another 50%, right? That's what people are like, oh, it's down 50%, you know, like, yeah, it can go down another 50%, you know? <laughs> So yeah, I, I was doing stocks in like 
2020 before the pandemic. And then the pandemic happened and that just radicalized me because right. The fed, the fed started doing all this crazy shit with the quantitative easing and fucking putting so much money into the economy. And, you know, we all, we all know what happened with that. And so I stopped doing all that. And then, right. We had that bear market of 2022. That's just going down, going down. So honestly, I was putting my money into goods and services. I was actually like buying shit, you know, Granted, I just moved into a house, so it made a lot of sense. So I was like, hey, why not buy a bunch of fucking shit? Because I don't want to sit on the dollars, right? I look at them as like ice cubes. Like you sit on them, they melt, they melt in your hand, right? And Bitcoin's going down. So I want to try and time the market and get in at a low price and you know, try and ride it up. Now, of course, at 16K, I'm like, oh, it can go lower, right? It can go lower. It, we're, we're, we should, we, we, I'm looking at the support level on the chart, it should definitely go lower to like 10K and then. I should be able to, to put everything in there. Honestly, I saw something that was like, if you would have just dollar cost averaged from literally starting on the the uh, the tippy top of the 69K or whatever the top was, if you would have just dollar cost averaged all the way down, that you'd be up 10% right now, you know? Me, hey, dude. Dollar cost average. Top, but I've just been buying every other week because yeah. I'm in it. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, definitely. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, when it comes to me, I'm allocating the Bitcoin and allocating to my house, right? Try, like, paying off my house. If I get extra money, get some Bitcoin and put it into my house. Definitely think it's the play. You don't buy Ethereum? I do buy Ethereum, actually. I am, I am buying some, obviously I'm only buying Bitcoin and Ethereum. Mostly Bitcoin, because like Balaji said right now, it's wartime, you know, it's, it's definitely wartime. Mm-hmm. But some ETH, some ETH as well, too. Definitely. I felt like a girl at the mall the other day. I was watching another podcast with Balaji. And then I'm just like, I'm going to go buy Bitcoin. Just like new shoes, more Bitcoin. Just, yeah. just buy it. Yeah, I, I've actually thought of this dollar cost averaging strategy where it's like whenever I listen to a podcast and someone makes a good point about Bitcoin or like some good revelation or about ETH as well, you know, I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm going to go buy right now because <laughs> because of what I just heard, you know? I mean, going off of like, so Bankless listened to both sides, right? Balaji and then one of the guy who, was it Eric? I forgot his name. But I, I forgot his, okay. Yeah. All right. I'll insert here. And then, <laughs> so Balaji and Eric against, it was like Ben and Arthur. And... Ben and Arthur came on like saying, okay, this is ridiculous. This isn't going to happen. He's crazy. Like he's making a mockery out of everything. And, and it's partially his fault for making everyone so crazy about this. Did, was there anything that they said on those podcasts that you were like, okay, this kind of makes sense or, or did it more so solidify like, you wearing your Bitcoin shirt. Yeah, so it definitely inspired me to run my Bitcoin shirt today. That definitely. <laughs> I mean, I, I should have bought Bitcoin that after I finished listening to, it, listening to it. I didn't really think that he had many good points, but the one thing, the one point he did make that I couldn't challenge because I just don't know enough about it is some of the limitations of fixed currency systems like like extending credit like he talked about how only the rich will get credit and i'm like 
one of the questions I had to, one of the questions I wanted to figure out was like, okay, well, what percentage of people have, are, have access to credit right now? You know, because I really doubt real, that the majority of the people in the USA have access to credit. You know? Do they though? Do they, right? That's what I'm saying. Like, do they? I feel like it's based on credit scores and people fuck up their credit scores when they're young and then they put it off and then it's you're 30, you want to be able to get something and you can't because you have to repair your credit score. Right. So to be honest, I don't know if a lot of Americans probably have access to, or at least credit at reasonable rate. Can you explain what fixed income supply? So fixed supply monetary policy, basically there is no person that can come in and be like, you know, we need to like, a great example is like one of, one of the reasons that Rome fell is that they didn't have any more gold to fucking go to war. They didn't have more gold to, to go to war. That's what happens when you have, when you're in a fixed currency and you know, that's one of the positives of it is that that's what happens when you're a fixed currency and you're capital misallocating, right? You're trying to spread your empire so far that you're running out of resources to do so. Like if, I, if they would have just kept it, you know, a little bit smaller, maybe they wouldn't have to run through all their gold reserves, right? And so that's what I mean by fixed is that it, you can't print more gold, right? And so it's fixed. Granted, yes, a gold asteroid can come out of the sky and you can find more gold, but it's kind of like a more controlled inflation rate than, oh, fuck, banks are wrecked? Mm, no, they're not. We're just going to fucking print. We're going to print more. We're going to print more money, you know? And so one thing that makes me think that Bitcoin can hit a million dollars or that crypto can beat it in this new system is that I think monetary policy should be a rules-based system. And you can't have a rules-based system with someone who pulls the levers that have their own biases and their own interests. And it's impossible I don't think I could do it without doing it. So, like, what if something happens to my mom or something happens to, you know, like I have conflict with interest too. I'm like, oh, but it's my mom. I got to print more money. You know, what am I going to let my mom, you know, but like, no. everybody You're like what's another 1 billion? Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, well, yeah. Well, what's, a, what's another 1 billion, right? And so that's what I like about crypto. That's what I like about Bitcoin is that it's a rules-based monetary system. And that it's based on rules, right? And no one can just go in there and change it, right? They, we didn't get, we didn't have, I mean, granted, we probably uh, had our elected senators vote on this, but us as the people didn't get a say in if we were going to print 40% of the dollars in existence in 2020, right? We had no say in that. Okay. But can I ask, did you cash the check? Yeah, same. I feel yeah. guilty though, you know? So well, it's like, I am the problem. <laughs> I guess I see. I guess I see what you're saying. Yeah, that's true. I needed to get some more Bitcoin, you know, <laughs> literally cash that check and bought more Bitcoin. You know what? Honestly, I consider it as a payback because I mean, granted, I, I wasn't paying taxes in 2008, but when we bailed out the banks, that's taxpayer money, you know? And so my mom and dad were paying taxes and that's money they could have been using to buy me more Christmas presents. And they weren't able to because they had that right inflation happens and they lose purchasing power, meaning they can buy me less Christmas presents. 
And so thanks government for this. I'm going to buy myself some Bitcoin. <laughs> definitely, definitely how I look at it. I think that's a pretty good alternative to just spending it on something else. And at least Bitcoin has the ability to actually go up in value. And you're not going to see that keeping your money in, in dollars. Right. And so, you know, I don't, I, you know, my question to you and your listeners is like, if not crypto, and we know fractional reserve lending doesn't work, and we can talk about some ways to improve that. But if not crypto, a lot of people are talking about, oh, the BRICS nation. I don't know if you guys are following what's going on with the BRICS nations. So do you guys know what the BRICS nations are? No, 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 not at all. TLDR. BRICS nations is Brazil, Russia, India, China, Saudi Arabia, and now more countries are applying to be inside of BRICS. I kind of look at it like NATO for the East, NATO for the East, the East, but it's not really, I don't know if it's really a military alliance more than a financial alliance. That part, I'm not 100% sure. I mean, it's basically the same thing, isn't it? I mean, yeah. It's a changing world order. Like, it's happening. Yeah, We're just, is. like, so, going to be living through it. <laughs> yeah, and so a lot, of, a lot of people are talking about, oh, like, the BRICS want to do a gold-backed, asset-backed currency. Great idea. Great fucking idea. I like it. But it's controlled by fucking China and Russia. You know, like... You try and like I, I don't think I don't think the world is going to want to move to another currency that's controlled by dictatorships. I mean, the reason that you would move off the U.S. dollar, right, is a lot. A lot of people, a lot of this BRICS momentum picked up because the U.S. dollar or the U.S. used the U.S. dollar as a weapon, right? And they said, okay, we're going to sanction you guys. We're not going to allow you guys to uh, settle transactions in U.S. dollars, blah, blah, blah. We're going to cut off your swift banking system, right? So other countries around the world are looking at that like, wow, like that could happen to us, right? We could, we could be cut off. So why would you want to jump to, we're going to use the BRICS currency, right? But Russia, you don't think Russia and China will fucking have some reason, whatever God knows, whatever the reason is, and be like, we're going to cut you off from this, you know? And so if not crypto and Bitcoin, what? You know, I don't know. Like, what What else? What else is really left? I don't I think there <laughs> are really any options right now. <laughs> oh, there's not. And I, I was, like, no. thinking of, like, services. services but, I mean, that can be automated with AI now. AI yeah. takes over. AI takes over. Uh, it, it's funny. It's funny that... What do we use? If we don't use money, do we just, like, use our bodies? Universal basic income. So that's what I was about to, to, to bring up. I mean, I guess that's still money. I was listening to a podcast with Lex Friedman in the CEO of OpenAI, I forgot his name, Sam something. Yeah, yeah, uh, Sam Altman. Sam, Sam Altman, yeah. Good podcast, three hours long, pretty in-depth. But near the end, they were talking about what if monetary policy is, first they were playing with the idea of like monetary policy being done by AI, but then they're like, what if it's done by like a congregation of AIs, right? And a bunch of super intelligent AIs do monetary policy, right? I just thought that was a very interesting idea. But I think we've all learned the days of a human being doing monetary policy has just not been working out, you know? I mean, if you don't tell Elizabeth Warren that she thinks that crypto is the enemy and to trust the Fed, I don't think a lot of people actually have that disbelief yet. And 
our dollar because at the end right like we had that episode on fiat and like what gives fiat the value and it's the trust behind a government and if you trust the government you don't think they're gonna pull the rug underneath you then of course you're gonna trust the bank this is everything you know and now there's a second wave coming and it's technology and it's ai and it's just we're all kind of bundled in that same category I think a lot of the people that are like against AI and kind of cryptos are just people that don't, maybe aren't in a place that they can learn new skills to keep up with technology. And I can understand that's pretty scary. Yeah. I was talking to my friend the other day and I was like, whenever I hear someone that's like, doesn't want to adopt technology, I'm like, you would have been the person back in the day when the car was coming out, you would have been like, cars, these are way too unsafe. Buggies. This is the way we've been doing it forever. It's been fucking, and look how safe it is. Oh, this person got into a car accident? Told you they weren't safe, right? Like, you don't want to be the guy or girl who's writing the article about why cars are bad. Like, that's just going to age terribly, right? Like, our default should be, when there's a new technology, just fucking open your arms and just be like, all right, we're going to figure it out. Like, right, this is, this is disrupting me, but we're going to fucking figure it out. And for the first time in my life, I had to do that when ChatGPT came out because I always felt very secure as a programmer. I'm like, oh, I'm always going to be, I'm always going to be in demand. And ChatGPT comes up and it's like, oh, you're still writing that? Oh, I finished that. I finished that like two, you know, in, in, in two seconds. And I had to take my own advice and be like, you know what? Just fucking open your arms to this and embrace, bring it in and be a survivor, right? If I have to do something else, I have to do something else, but survive, right? Don't, don't push away the, no, we got to bury that so I can keep my old, my old way of doing things. Like, no, just open your arms, right? I don't want to, I don't want to have an article in years and like, oh, Pat was like, no, don't, don't do the AI stuff. How do you, how do you feel about Elon Musk recently, like coming out and saying we need to pause on AI for six yeah. months, like take a break. This is getting way at end. I feel like it's not even a real ask. Like, it's not even, a, like, it's a waste. He came out talking on the news about, like, he wants to take a, a break from AI. He thinks that all the big, like, AI, you know, places, uh, platforms should pause for six months so then they can develop safety protocols. And that there are, right now, there are, like, 23 or 53 guidelines that have been signed by like 57 or 5,700 people, Elon Musk being one of them out of the many. Steve Wozniak was another big, big name. Yeah, who signed up on that and said like, oh yeah, these are the guidelines, this is fine. But I know, I I just feel like, can't your energy be spent somewhere else? <laughs> this is, <laughs> it's already it's already gone. Like that's it. Can we There's focus on like reproductive rights or, you know, fucking right. No. Like who gives a fuck? It's, no it's already gone. It's already out there. There's no closing. Yeah. No. yeah. There's no closing. Like let's, let's put this back in the, like, no, this thing is bursted open. You might as well just open your arms. Just be like, you know what? We're going to figure it out. Just bring it, just fucking bring it on. And we're going to figure it like we did with cars. You know, people were flying out of window shields, right? Like people <laughs> People are flying out. I mean, you know what we're like? We're like, all right, we should put a seatbelt in here. It can help keep people in the car, you know? Yeah, freaking airplane when people 
first invented the airplane, like how many people fell out from the sky? <laughs> like, oh, we should. And now it's safer than a car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And I definitely think it can. Uh, I, I definitely think it can get there. You know, I definitely think it could get there. And, and they were, they were, just you talk about safety protocols. It's very difficult. It's like when people talk about safety and t- people talk about what it should be able to say. What basically what they really mean is. I can say whatever it wants to me, but I don't trust what it says to you, right? And that it's very difficult to to say like, what is what is misinformation? What is truth? Like they were talking about this in the Lex Friedman, because he was talking about, oh, what are some of the safety protocols? And how do you, he's like, how do you make sure that this is true, what it's saying? He's like, what's truth? What do you know without an undeniable amount of certainty? And he was just like, yeah, like the only thing I, certain about is that I shouldn't be certain about things, right? Like, <laughs> that's, that's the only thing I'm certain about. I is that, that. I shouldn't be, that I shouldn't be certain about things, you know? And so I think the AI safety thing is going to be very difficult because what's safe, what's misinformation, what should it be allowed to say, what shouldn't it be allowed to say? What I think it should, should be allowed to say is going to be very different than what everyone else thinks it's going to be allowed mm-hmm. to say, right? And so I know I'm kind of an anarchist in my head, like I'm kind of like, oh, you know, fuck the banks, everything, every all dollar to zero now, Bitcoin a million dollars now, blah, 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 blah. You know, I know I'm kind of like that, so I'm kind of far out, but I, I just think it's going to be very difficult to try and put these safety rails on there, right? It was the same thing with the internet. When the internet came out, oh, it's just for criminals. It's just for you to get on and watch pornography. It's just for scammers. It's just, it's just, it's just all, you know, it's just like, I would not want to be that person who wrote that back in the day. And you can pull up old internet articles to this day and people's names are on those, you know, like I would not want to be that person like, oh, the internet's just for scammers and it's never going to turn into anything, you know? Yeah. And the uh, the unknown does scare people. The unknown scares people. And rightfully so, rightfully so. But like I said, you just got to open your arms. You got to open your arms to the unknown. Yeah, I, I like to think that it's like you just don't have an option, right? It's either you do or you don't. And, you know, I think it's kind of funny how you kind of felt even scared, right, about ChatGPT taking over your job. And I've, you know, been telling my sister this, that you literally can do anything now. If you were a person who wanted to create a website and you have no technical skills and ask it to give you like super novice instructions of how to build something, it just gives the ability of people to really pursue what they want to do. And be able to do it at such a pace that like learning any skill used to take so long, but now you can do it at an exponential pace. And And granted, of course, there's like the downfalls. If you learn something really quickly, like you have to debug code, you're probably not going to be as good at it because you didn't really learn the code the right way. But there's always going to be somebody that can help you. And so just get your MVP and then just learn from there. So I think it's, you know, just people should just embrace it. It's going to help you. And if you try to push it away, it's just going to be that much harder when everyone's already adopted it and you're going to be so far behind. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. One thing, one thing Sam did say on the podcast that made me feel a little bit more relaxed was that he's like, I don't really think that this is going to replace coders because the demand for code is so high. And, and people talk, uh, I've heard people talk about this with ETH scaling, right? Like ETH is never going to be able to scale because 
like the same thing with the internet. Like we started, oh, we just want to send like, we just want to send this file, this little email over. Okay, well now, now I want live communication and I want to be able to, to stream the whole time. Okay, now I want to be able to play a fucking video game and not even have a console. I just want to stream it off the internet. Like we started with just a file and now I want to stream a full, right? I want to stream a full video game. And so the same with ETH, like when we, when we figure out what we could do with the scale that we had, we started shoving more fucking transactions. Now people want to run video games on blockchains. You know what I mean? Like they didn't start like that. And so I do think that he's right about that is that the demand for code in automated systems is so high that I need this extra arm. And it's, it's, it's so cool to have it because it really does make me more productive. Like the other uh, last night, I needed to write a really simple like string manipulation algorithm. Like I forgot exactly what it was, but something like, let's just say, remove the letter S from every string I give you, right? And I know how to do that. Super simple. But I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna give this prompt to uh, ChatGPT and I'm gonna go use the bathroom. And so I gave it to it, went and used the bathroom, came back, it was done, right? And, I, and that was just like another thing that made me be like, damn. It's going to make me so much more productive. I can put out more code and there's no shortage of people who need code, you know? So open arms, baby. <laughs> Fucking bring it on, you know, bring it on. But the world will be done. Yeah. It's, I, it's kind of shitty though, that like AI, like I was looking at a gardener kind of working and I was thinking, when can AI like replace those like kind of just make it easier right so then you take that labor work out of it and i know i've seen a few robots from like boston dynamics but i haven't really seen anything like actually doing work yeah i saw dogs. a video of google has a bot that can go it's got like a it just got it's like a bot with wheels and just got like a fucking claw and it can go into the fridge and like grab you a beer it can open your drawers mm -hmm. and stuff out and bring it to you and it kind of made me really think of like the futuristic movies, how like every bot is shaken away for a certain thing, right? This bot was literally a fucking grabbing, like quality, yeah. This bot was a, a, literally a grabbing bot. That's its purpose. Go and grab something and breathe, you know? And so I'm like, man, imagine, you know, you put ChatGPT into something like that or ChatGPT into my Alexa. So I don't, I don't, I always joke that my uh, cause of death is going to be, uh, Proper, busting a, a cell yelling at fucking Alexa, you know? <laughs> so goddamn, I'm like, yeah, my cause of death for sure is gonna be sometimes when you're like, God damn it, Alexa, fucking turn off the lights. <laughs> is she your alarm clock? No, I, I'm blessed to not need an alarm clock because I kind of, well, I don't start working until like 9 a.m. and I naturally wake up before 9 a.m. So. I'm always awake nice. with no alarm clock. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we used to have Alexa as our alarm clock and it's the worst. Like, don't do it. Cause you're just like, Alexa, 10 more minutes, Alexa, 10 more minutes. And I mean, yeah, you know, repeatedly the same, like the chime. Right just, Alexa. Hey, Alexa. Stop timer. God hey, girl. <laughs> I miss you. Right, sometimes okay so it took me the longest time to get alexa because i was like no fuck this and then i was like you know what open arms like alexa come 
And then I got so used to Alexa. I was sitting in the car and I was just like, oh my God, I wish Alexa was here. I'm like, what's the weather like? They have Alexa for your car now, you know? Yeah, no, no, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they do. Even though you can pretty much do it on your phone and yep. talk to it on your phone. Anyway, can, Siri. Yeah, yeah. She's a homie. I don't want to forget about bringing up the national debt and seeing what that looks like. Oh. Yes, 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 yes. You can see that we're $1 trillion, right? Deficit. The difference between the total amount spent by Congress and the revenue received by the Internal, internal Revenue Service. So I would call that insolvent. I mean, the guy, I mean, that guy who they were wrong, I was like, no, the banks have the funds. They don't, I mean, the, the federal government doesn't have the funds. You think the rest of the banks do? Like, we already know that they're allowed to do what? They have to hold 10% of the money that you give in. And that when we all come, it's funny that people are like, oh, you know, Bitcoin is, it's not backed by anything. It's just, it's just like a, a, a social contract. But so is fractional reserve banking. It's a social contract that we are all going to go ask for our money at the same time. It's that is what is literally based on. If they didn't believe that we wouldn't all ask for our money at the same time, it wouldn't even exist. And for the most part, it works because we don't all need our money at the same time, right? Especially the, uh, the excess money that we have. We don't all need it at the same time, right? And so it, it's the same trust-based system. It's just, do you want to trust Uncle Sam Bankman fucked? Or do you want to trust, you know, uh, a rules-based monetary system that is transparent and you can read the rules and even make fucking pull requests to update them in a democratic way, you know? So Okay, yes. But for the retail consumer, they have protections up to a quarter million dollars. And you don't have that in Bitcoin. And that really only becomes a problem, though, if you have your funds on a centralized exchange. So it's also like kind of do your own research to make sure that your funds are actually in a like cold storage or something and not on someone else's server. Yeah. I mean, crap, I wish I would have looked this up before. Let's see if we can look this up real quick. How much? Yeah, that page gives me anxiety. Does the FDIC have a reserve? Okay, so FDIC reported that his deposit insurance fund had a balance of 128 billion. So yeah, we're all we're all insured up to 250k, up to 128 billion. After that, you're wrecked. They would just print more money. Right. And what's what's funny too is that so you you could say like a counter argument could be like, oh, but well, sure they only have 128 billion, but if they run out of all of it, they'll just print more and I'll get and I'll get my $250,000. Most of us don't have $250,000 in there. So you know, we'll, get, we'll get whatever uh, we have in their back. But your dollars are going to be worth less because there's more dollars in circulation. There's more dollars chasing fewer goods and services. So did you get $250,000 back? Or did you get, you know, $150,000? You got $250,000 back, but you can only buy $150,000 worth of shit. Right. And that's why I've always said if everyone, if everyone's bank account moved, ticked like our portfolios do, right? When we hold, 
we wake up one morning and we have, you know, like that, that video I showed you is like five seconds later. He's like, I'm a millionaire. And five seconds later, he's like, hi, can I get five? Like if people in their bank account could see the money going only down, right? Because remember, banks don't pay us interest, but we are silently taxed through inflation, which was at a peak of 9%. So if everyone, when they open their bank account, could see uh, their money going down, they would definitely be more open to Bitcoin. Definitely. Because if you look at the Bitcoin chart, it's going up and to the right, right? On a, on a macro logarithmic scale, it's going up and to the right. But your bank account, which is why I said I'd look at dollars like ice cubes that literally are melting through your hands, through inflation is the heat source that melts that ice cube, you know? But we don't see it. We don't see it. Every time we look into our bank account, it's the same number. Sure, like, oh, eggs is an extra buck. Okay, like, all right, you know, okay, whatever. But yeah, I, I definitely think if people actually saw what inflation was doing to their money, they would definitely be more open. Not even more open to Bitcoin, but more open to the idea of capital allocation, right? Sure, fine, go buy gold. Go buy property. Go get, you know what I mean? Go do something. Go fucking do something. We can work on which asset you can choose once you realize you need to buy one, right? And so, yeah. But I think that's kind of the hard part though, right? Because I was just like thinking when you were pulling up the charts, like, man, I wish I was born like 40 years ago where I just trusted the government. And if you didn't, you were kind of weird and you were that, that guy on the Reddit, page 13. Looking at the uh, deficit and the national debt, how are we gonna pay all that back, right? Like, how are we gonna pay all that back? I, to play devil's advocate, literally am like, I'm gonna, I'll tell you how we're gonna, like, uh, I'll tell you how we're gonna do this. I'm a politician, I'm gonna calm everyone down. Like, if I was a politician, you're gonna calm everyone down. How would I say that we're gonna, to, get, to pay this back? And I would say we're taking on debt so that we can grow, right? And we're going to grow and our economy is going to grow. And that means that we're going to uh, increase our GDP. And that's how we're going to pay back the debt. But the thing with fiat currencies, it's like a Ponzi scheme. You have to fucking keep growing. You, you can't stop the growing. You know what I mean? Like you have to just keep growing and keep growing. So to think that we're just going to grow to a, to a, a point and be like, okay, like we're, we're done growing. Like, when do, when do you stop being greedy? Like when you're greedy, you know what I mean? Like when, when is enough enough? I definitely don't, I don't, I don't see that, see it happening that way. And so I, I'm going to say, yeah. so then I took, I took it upon myself to uh, ask ChatGPT because it's way smarter than I am, you know? And it gave three other ways that the U.S. government could pay off the debt. <laughs> the first one was uh, inflation. Well, that's not a fucking great, that's not great. You know, that's what's going to send Bitcoin to a million dollars. You know, it's a big, so ChatGPT, it kind of, in a weird it way. It answered like a politician. Well, he said, this is exactly what we would do. Right. And not only answered like a politician, but also fed straight into what Balaji saying, right? Is that the US dollar is going to hyperinflate. And I say, I didn't ask ChatGPT, is Bitcoin going to a million dollars? Because you know it would say, I'm an AI language model, not a fucking investor. And I can't, blah, 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 because we've all tried, right? Get, get, make, make me money now, right? But 
you know, I just asked it, what are some ways? And it's like inflation. It just, you just, uh, inflation can reduce the real value of debt over time. However, this approach can be risky and it can lead to higher interest rates and slower economic growth and can lead to uh, risk assets going to the fucking moon because everyone's jumping off the ship onto the lifeboats, lifeboats, you know, like, like, like they, they were saying in uh, Blankus. Another option that ChatGPT said was to default. That doesn't seem like a good fucking, I mean, that's one way to get rid of the debt is to be like, I can't pay. How does that look like? But like, how does that look like? And so we, our debt is to China. And so it's the idea that one day China is going to be like, hey, I'm here to collect, pay us today. And then if we're, we don't pay them, we go to war. That's the only other, that's the only other way. Uh, war, sexual favors. What else do you have, you know, like? Human capital. Yeah, human capital. So I guess like sexual favors is a subcategory of human capital. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and then the last thing that it said was uh, refinancing the debt by issuing new bonds to pay off the old ones. And who's going to buy your bond? My dad bought me bonds. It was a fucking waste of money. He, he bought them for me. <laughs> he, bought, he bought like five and he gave them to my sister and I, I don't know. We were probably in our twenties or some shit and like, like 21 or something. And they all amounted to like $25. I'm like, thank you. Can I'm guessing they weren't I bonds. Do you guys know what I bonds are? Mm -mm. I bonds are the only bonds that are actually worth something. They're inflation protected bonds. So you can only buy up to 10,000, I think it is. You can only buy up to 10,000. I don't know if it's 10,000 every year or what the frequency is, but there's a cap on how much you can buy. But they literally pay you the rate of inflation. So that might, that melting ice cube thing, you get one, like you get a tray in the ice cube tray to put your ice cube. And they're like, all right, we'll put this one, we'll put this ice cube in the freezer. The rest of your money's fucked, right? Because it's not, you're not making yield on it that is greater than the, uh, greater than inflation. So yeah. I like, I like that analogy a lot. It, it's, it's nice to see you're like, oh, this is, a, it's literally falling from your hands versus like, oh, we're just going to keep this one low ice cube in the freezer. Yeah. yeah you got a, you got a bunch of them and you only get to put a small, it's something small, you know, like 10 K like, and for people who have a fuck ton of money, that's nothing, you know, that's nothing. But it is cool to know that they are, they do exist. And I am looking at uh, adding some of those to my Roth IRA. Why would you want to buy a bond in your Roth IRA? Because just, just to have a little bit of diversification from crypto, because right. And, and let's say. Why let's not say, like a total stock market fund? I just feel like why not you like, you could use, you could buy the bond in like a normal investment account and just like pay the taxes because the growth is really not going to be that much. And then save your Roth contributions for like something that could go to the moon or just even like tech stocks or something, some mutual fund. ETF. So I would take it out. What, what I would like to try and do is have a position in I-bonds that are gener generating yield because if I buy, let's say I put it all into crypto, right? And crypto goes down minus 50%. Okay, now I'm down minus 50%. If I have a piece of I-bonds, I'm making whatever the inflation rate is, let's say 
I think it's like six percent or something right now. I'm making six percent on my on my money. So that down fifty percent is coming up by sixty percent or by six percent every year. Does that make sense? So it's kind of like a weight a weight in, in a balance thing. What what ideally in my head how I would like it to play out is I put I put the money in there. When I put the money in there, it's at the start of a new leg up, right? And so that when things crash, I have more money to buy things at a cheaper price, right? That's that's my idea with it. Are you cash poor or cash rich these days? I'm I'm more exposed to. It was funny. I just said this to my friend the other day. I was like, "Man, thanks thanks to the banks that Bitcoin's you know at 28k right now. Like, thank you, banks. But also fuck the banks because you guys ruined my entry." of buying at, you know, near around 10, 16K. So I am in more cash than I, than I would like to be. I'm looking for a retest of 25K and definitely going to take some allocation at 25K. Be ready to buy if it goes down and be ready to take profit if it goes up because I don't know what's going to happen, right? And that comes back to what I was saying about having respect for the market. I remember one of the early conversations that you and I had, you told me that you have to know how, when to cash out. And so I'm wondering if you have any advice for people. When do you sell? When's a good time? Oh, of course, you're looking for a very broad answer. So I'll give you a very broad answer. But the correct answer is it should be tailored to your, you need to tailor what I'm going to say to your needs, right? And so one thing that's really broad is like, man, if you're up like 3x, just take some fucking profit. You know what I mean? Take some profit. If you got a bill that you need to pay and you just made all the money on it, to to pay to pay that bill take some profit you know what i mean so like what i what i've been doing what i've been playing with in my trading algorithms is that like every time it's up five percent i take out a small percentage out i sell a little bit every single time it's up five percent sell a little bit sell a little bit sell a little bit constantly taking profits on the way up and taking a little bit of profits on the way down because you don't know and when you don't know you need to act like you don't know and you need to be, be prepared for any direction. If you take some profits, if it, go, if it keeps going up, great. You still have some left to take profits on. If it dumps, awesome. Now you get to buy back at a lower price, right? And that's giving you optionality and that's taking the stress of you having to know. Trying to time the top and trying to time the bottom is extremely hard. And, you know, even great traders fuck that up. But like, like, like it was saying, you know, the, the people who are dollar cost averaging and doing stuff like that can perform better than someone who's trying to time the market. And I'm learning that I'm learning that myself, trying to time the market through trading, right? That I'm like, okay, maybe I should increase my dollar cost averaging portion and decrease the amount that I'm trading and trying to time the market with. Like that's been a major takeaway for me with this trying to time the bottom thing that, that didn't work out the way I wanted it to. <laughs> the approach that I've been personally taking is dollar cost averaging into Bitcoin and Ethereum, but kind of going degen on those like Solana, like when it dropped the time at the end of the last year, it's a bet. It could go to the moon or it could just, I could lose it all. It's fine. And in those situations, I do try to time the market, but I think it depends on the asset that you're also trying to buy. And I guess I've always thought that Bitcoin isn't a good option to, to be a trade because you can be a trader or you can be an investor. I've always said, I'm not a trader. I'm an investor. I buy and hold. I don't sell ever. And 
I think maybe does that strategy change for you or have you thought about changing the strategy? So I think what is best is having, like if, you, if you've got a whole pie, right? 100%, having a slice that is whole for the long-term, 10 years, right? Maybe, maybe every person needs to tailor the percentages to their financial needs. But I would suggest that the long-term is the majority of the portfolio. And then you have another part that's maybe like the medium term, right? Maybe this, maybe this part, you, you only take out when things double or triple. And then you have a small term slice. And that's the one that if you want to be, you're active with, you're taking, you're taking profit every 5% and then buying every time it dumps 10%, right? But I definitely think that, it, I don't think it should be all or none. Like I love the diamond hands things and everything, but like, if you love Bitcoin, and you want more Bitcoin or you want more ETH, then taking profit will get you more Bitcoin ETH, right? Like, yeah, diamond hands. How many fucking diamonds do you want to hold? Do you want to hold more diamonds, you know? Or do you just want to hold the few diamonds that you have forever, right? But, th- but there's risk with doing that because when you sell and make it going up, right? You don't know. You don't know what's going to come back down. And now, now you're out of your position. Now you got to buy back higher and now you have less diamonds, right? And so... That's why I say break it up to where it's like, okay, I'm only, I'm only in this, in this part of my portfolio, I'm more active. And this part, I'm selling this. I make major gains. And in this part, it's for the long, long, long term, you know? Kirja had a question about, is now a good time to buy? Is now a good time to buy? Let's bring out the charts. I love the visuals. Yeah, let's bring out the charts. Is now a great time to buy is the question. So how I would answer that is the first thing I would look at is what's the, what's been the average price for, for Bitcoin on a certain scale that will let you know immediately if you're buying above average or if you're buying below average. Okay. So I'll throw on way too many moving averages. Let me take some of these off. Uh, That is a lot. Yeah. We're just going to keep it simple for today. Uh, I'll even hide the volume. Keep it super simple. Okay. So this is the three-year moving average. Okay. And so my first question to someone who would ask me, is it a great time to buy? Is what's your time horizon? Right. Are you looking to flip this in the next three days? Or are you looking at this on the long term? Uh, uh, I, I know Terja, and so I don't think he's a trader. So I'm going to assume that he's looking for the long term. All right. Well, the average price for Bitcoin for the past three years, this is the weekly chart. This is the 200 moving average is uh, 25K. So if you were to buy right now, you'd be buying 9% over the three-year moving average. I would consider that a good deal, right? Because you're buying very close to what the average is, what the average price is. What do you consider to be very close? 10, 20? So I would consider like, you know, like, like this, this is, this is, this is, this is, this is nice and close here, here. That's nice. You can draw. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Now look, if Tertia asked me, and he's like, we're over here. Hey, is now a great time to buy? 
I would say, all right, well, the three-year average is down here at like 22K. So I wouldn't say you're getting, and, and it's not even necessary. I, mean, I don't even want to necessarily say about is right now the best time. What I want to answer is, am I getting a good deal, right? What's been the average? Like you need to know the average, right? So, so if you were going to sell your car right now and you, you would need to know, okay, what is my car normally selling for? Like, how could you even decide that it's, that you're selling your car for a good price if you don't know the average that your car goes for, right? And so if you were buying a new car right now and this is the average price for the car and you're buying it at this price, sure, it could go up. Yeah, it could. It could, but you're buying it uh, pretty far away from what the average price is. So I wouldn't say you're getting a good deal. And so I look at it more as, am I getting a good deal or am I not getting a good deal, right? Which is why I said, I'm looking to enter on a retest at the 200 moving average. Because if I buy here, I can at least say, even if price does go down, I got a good price. I bought at the average. I didn't get fucking wrecked like up here and you buying, what is this? Buying 221% above the uh, moving average. So that, that's like the simplest way I would try and oops, I would try and answer that question. But just to like clarify again, how did you get the 9%? I took the measuring tool and mm -hmm. I measured from the 200 week average up to the current price and mm. right i got around like nine something nine something percent so if you bought right now you would be buying nine percent above the three year average price for bitcoin that's pretty fucking good that's really good right that's i i think that's really i mean yeah i think that's really good because of that, of just, just where, just where we are. Right. And if I just look at, I just look at the, I, when I, when I trade and stuff, I just look at the previous high, I'm like, okay, I, Bitcoin goes to a million dollars. I definitely think it could worst case scenario though. Bitcoin tries to make a new high and fails. Okay. If that's the truth and you bought right here, you're looking at a, a, at least doubling your money if you go in right now and we just go to uh, the previous high. That's a pretty good risk to reward. If you look at the risk to reward here. And what, well, I mean, what, 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 like, even if, even if you're like, okay, my risk is Bitcoin going to 9K, that's a two point, almost a three risk to reward ratio. That's a pretty good fucking bet. That's a pretty good fucking bet. So for the long term, is right now a good time to buy? I would say yes. Now I'm I'm being more strategic in trying to catch a retest on this level because I what what I think could happen is that we come back down and test this level. That's usually what happens when we break out a level is you come back and you retest the level. Like here, we broke down on this level. We came back and retested it and failed. And so, but, but this may not happen, right? I may get wrecked again in 
we could just fucking keep going up forever, right? I understand that's a possibility. And I need for, for myself to think, all right, what am I going to do if I'm wrong? And Terja and anyone else needs to, that's listening needs to think for themselves, what am I going to do if Pat's wrong? What am I going to do if this is this was a fake breakout and we're going to fuck and we just go down here? Because that's a possibility. You think I fucking know what's going to happen? I don't fucking know what's going to happen. If I knew it was going to go to the moon right now, I would buy it all right now. But I don't know, right? Do you have a number? Where you're going to just, you're just going to buy at that point. Cause what is maybe you've missed your opportunity to buy and you have to wait until the next cycle. I would definitely say if we start closing above 30 K like, all right. Okay. I fucked up. I missed it. Time to start time to fucking time to start. Right. Well, now what some possibilities that I see happening is for one, a retest here and then going up. That's a possibility, right? And this is something that you should look at. It's like, what are all the possibilities and how can I react to them? And how wrecked would I be if they happen, right? So that's a possibility. Possibility is we just break this level, come back and retest it and fail and go down. Even if you did buy up here, you were buying at a good price near the average. And now you can continue the dollar cost average down, bringing your average price down, right? Another possibility is that we can go here and move it up to here. And at, at this point, if we can break out of this level, if we break, if we start breaking this level, I'm going to start buying because I have to be at some, we have something in trading called uh, your invalidation point. Like when are you fucking wrong? You know, when are you wrong? My invalidation for when I was like my, my entire plan was I was expecting it to go down a little bit further. If it didn't, I want to see it break the three year average, retest it and go back up. That, and what do you mean retest? Does that mean like when it hits back the average, it goes back, back down to the average and then it goes back. back up? Yep. It goes back up. But something that's very simple for people to use is just like a moving average on a large scale, on a large scale. So like, don't be on the fucking 15 minute, you know, don't be down here on a large scale and just figuring out what the average price is. Like what's the average, what's the average price? What's the average price of, of a Bitcoin? The average price is around here. I'm buying near the average price. Okay, cool. So yeah, that would kind of, I hope that helped. Yeah, dude, that was very helpful. You mentioned that you may have had some questions like for us that you were thinking about. Yes. So I did. I kind of already asked one of them. Oh, wonderful. That, that was, what is a better alternative for solving these, you know, financial issues than Bitcoin and crypto, right? And so that, that, that was one of them. Another one was if, if, uh, if Bitcoin goes to a million dollars, what price will it be in other currencies, right? What, mm -hmm. what, what price will it be in euros? What price will it be in rubles and in, in other currencies, you know? I don't know. That's kind of like a question. Go ahead. I think it'll be dependent though, if they're reliant on the US dollar, there will be like pretty massive fluctuations and you'll easily be able to see like, wow, you guys had a lot of faith in the US banking system. And because of that, now you're wrecked. And everyone who didn't, which it sounds like that earlier, what was that group? It was like Brick. Bricks. Bricks yeah, like they're going to be okay. And maybe their valuation of their currency might not be as... Uh, destabilized as everyone else's, but 
That, that's a good point. It's like I, I, another thing I I was I wanted to mention to you guys is like I think it's Bitcoin to a million dollars, not because the Fed is a trillion dollars insolvent. It's the central banks are insolvent, right? It's not just a U.S. problem. It's a problem around the world. You know what I mean? But you're right. I think it does depend on how reliant those countries are on the U.S. dollar. What's really interesting that I heard Michael Saylor say was, you know, in like, I forgot what they're, oh, I think it's Venezuelan pesos. I think that's what they use. But he's like, in the Venezuelan peso, there's never been a bear market in Bitcoin. There's no bear market. The currency shit. It's always a bull market, you know? And that's one thing that we have to like kind of keep in mind is that like for the majority of the world, like Bitcoin's in a fucking raging bull market. Their currency's going to fucking dog shit. And Bitcoin's going to the moon every day. Every day they're probably waking up and it's a hundred another hundred percent up. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's that's just some some food for thought that we never really think about. And that's kind of what kind of makes me think like, damn, so what's it gonna be? If it's a million dollars, is it two million euros? You know, is it because I don't know if right now the euro is less than the dollar, but uh, you know, is it two million euros? Is it like what 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 would it be? So yeah. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Are you looking it up, Vanessa? Uh, so 1.09 United States dollars equal one euro. Wait, what'd you say? Is it one to one? So, no, it's 1.09 to one dollar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So okay. I'm pretty sure the euro is worth more. And I'm glad, I'm glad you looked. So, I mean, I guess, I guess we know if Bitcoin went to a million dollars, what it would be at in euros today. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. I did see that. Uh, uh, Miles asks, what else do I trade? So right now I have like a top five list and that has been, man, I don't, I don't even really, I don't really even touch that. Really, I've just been touching Bitcoin and ETH, but my algorithms that I'm working on, I just finished one that will literally scan every single coin that the exchange has to offer. And if it meets a special set of criteria, it will trade it, right? And I like that so much is because like I have so much, I have so many biases and it really affects what I trade when really I should be looking at things objectively. And hey, there's a position here, there's a fucking position. There's a setup here, there's a setup here, you know? It doesn't matter if it's XRP, you know? I'm like, oh, XRP is a shit coin, blah, 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 blah. I don't like that, you know what I mean? So. Yeah, what I'm about to start trading is definitely about to blow up compared to what I personally would pick, which is like, it's funny, I have a top five list, but there's like eight coins in it, but it's like BNB, Bitcoin, ETH, Link, uh, Solana, but I don't I don't really ever touch it because I have biases. Uh, Dogecoin, Curve, Aptos, really just for short positions. Uh, GRT, yeah, so that's kind of some of the stuff I trade. So when are you going to open your fund? Soon. Fund soon. Fund soon. Finally, a place where funds are safe. safe. I mean, I'm still going to be trading them, right? So you'll have the trade risk. But at least you'll know, you know? At least at least you'll know. At least I won't be telling you, yeah, yeah, just leave your, leave your money here. It's totally fine. 
And then when you come to pull it out, I'm not going to have, it. you know what I mean? Like, at least you know what you're getting into. And that's what I think, that's what I think the problem is with the banks, right? Is that it's like, hey, I just need my money. I need a place where I can put my money where I can go back and it's there. And you're not going to go out. Literally, it's the same thing that Sam Bankman Free did, you know? Oh, yeah, we have your, we have your tokens on the exchange. But really, I think yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. We we have it, sure. Yeah, yeah we have it. Yeah, we have it. <laughs> I DJ. You drop it off, turn around, it's gone. That's it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, he was just a fractional reserve lending bank. He just didn't tell anyone about it. Yeah, exactly. That's not the way it's supposed to be, you know. So, oh, one thing I wanted to bring up too is uh, I don't know if you guys know who Lynn Alden is. She no. is a great macroeconomist, and she does a bunch of podcasts, does a bunch of research, really great. I was listening to one of her podcasts and she talked about how several banks have tried to be open an account with the Federal Reserve and become a fully fractional, uh, what, what, what's the technical term for it? It's called a full reserve, be a full reserve bank, right? Have all the funds, right? And They've been denied by the U.S. government because they said that type of model would suck the liquidity from all the other banks, which is true, which is which is true. Yeah, but they've uh, denied it. OK, so in a world where that did happen, how would the banks make money then? Because they make money by lending out our money, right, which is this whole fractional reserve problem that we're in. Banking as a service. Let's bring it. Let's bring it back, man. I don't, not necessarily let's bring it back. Let's make it a thing, you know, banking as a service. I would pay to know I have my fucking funds when I need them. You know, I would pay money for that. I would be totally fine to pay money for that. And we should at least have the option to be like, all right, you want free? You want it, you want it for free? You want to give me your money and have it for me for free? I'm going to fucking trade it. I'm going to go with 100x leverage on Bitcoin. You better hope to God that I looked at the charts right and figured this out. Because if I did it, all your funds are gone. Or if you don't want to deal with that, you'll pay this person to hold your money, right? It's not, I, I don't think it should be free. I don't think you should have a free place where you can give people your money and what are they supposed to just, okay, I'm not going to look at the millions of dollars in here. I'm just going to, you know, like, oh, I'm just not going to do anything with them when I just know, I know the big one's going to go up or I know this asset's going to go up. If I just buy it, I'll get the money back in there. I'll get it back in there before it, it's too late, you know, like, nah. So yeah, banking, banking as a service, like, I definitely think that could be a, a fix. And if not banking as a service, I think at least banks should have to, on their balance sheets, mark everything to market, right? When you put that statement out, if you bought, if you were to sell all your bonds today, what are they worth? If you bought them for a dollar, you can only sell them for 50 cents. On the fucking report, you say, not in the footnotes, on the top, re-erect. We do not have the funds, you know? Like, you have to mark things to market. Another thing I thought of is you should, or, or we should have bank-run simulations. So I, I thought of the Federal Reserve has like- What are you, bank-run simulations? Hear me out, hear me out, okay? Check this out. So it's a bingo system, okay? It's a bingo system, or not bingo. Is it bingo? What's it? What's the, yeah, bingo. When you get all the things on the, what's the thing where the balls are in there? Kind of like a lottery system. It's kind of like a lottery system, right? There's a bunch of balls and like a big thing, okay? 
and they're they're bouncing around, and each ball is a bank, okay? And randomly, you don't know when this is gonna happen. The regulators, the people we pay to make sure that the banks have the funds, randomly, they're just gonna run this thing, and then they're gonna press it, and it's gonna instead of spin a ball, it's gonna say Chase Bank. All right, Chase Bank, you said you have uh, $1 billion on your balance sheet? Send $1 billion. You have 24 hours to send $1 billion to this bank account right here. Send it, send it, send the funds. It'll get rid of all this fucking hand waving of the fucking balance sheets and all this manipulation and not marketing things to market. Fuck all that. You said you have, I look at it, I look at it, says you have a billion dollars. Okay. Send the billion dollars tomorrow. That right? Send the billion dollars. And that would, uh, that would eliminate all this. Because if you don't have it, you're penalized, you're fined out the dick, and you're, you're, you're wrecked, right? You're like, oh, fuck. If my, if my bank gets called out of this bank lottery and I don't have the funds, Federal Reserve is going to close my bank or I'm going to get punished or I'm going to pay fines out the ass. You know what I mean? Now everyone will be like, all right, fucking, okay, we need to, we need to. And, and maybe, maybe, maybe we don't have to do full 100% reserve, right? Maybe there could be some type of hybrid system. But they only have to have 10% of the funds. 10%. Like, that's ridiculous. 10%? Maybe 50%. Maybe you have fucking 50%. Maybe you have half the funds. You know what I mean? Look, I don't have your dollar, but I have 50 cents. You know? Right? But yeah, I, I definitely think that would fix a lot of this. Bank run lottery. You got a call today. Send the funds. But wouldn't, but wouldn't every bank fail? Because every bank is operated with fractional reserve lending and you mentioned 10 percent, but that's like at the highest level there's some banks that operate with like much less than that i do think every bank well no every bank wouldn't fail because they know that they could be called and they have to have the funds so they wouldn't be doing the fractional reserve lending right then wouldn't that problem happen of sucking all the liquidity out of the market because then at that point you're then operating a type of bank where you have all the reserves on hand and so I don't know if that's like, I don't think that that's not possible anymore. <laughs> We're like too much like in a hole, you know? Right. And that kind of, that's kind of the points that that dude was making who, who was saying the banks are fine. Those are kind of some of those points of why he didn't, didn't like fixed monetary systems. And I don't know enough about the drawbacks of fixed monetary systems to debate it and to go back and forth. I can definitely figure it out, come back. But for now, my answer would be charge a fee, charge a fee, right? And different banks can go with different systems. All right, at this bank, we hold 60% of the funds. So you got to pay a 10% fee. Well, at this bank, we're fucking DJs. Like, God knows what. we're going to go buy a bunch of fucking Beanie Babies with your money. So we're, only gonna, we're not going to charge you at all. But you may come back and the funds may not be there. You know what I mean? But you don't have to pay it all. And let people choose. Let the market decide what it wants. Some people, for some people, it may make more sense to be not paying the fee, right? Because of how precious is that money, right? I, I have some cash where like I can afford to lose. And then I have cash I cannot afford to lose, right? The cash I need to pay my bills with. That's the cash I'm going to put at the bank A that charges the fee and bank B that doesn't charge the fee, maybe 5% of that cash I can afford to lose. Well, I can hold it at bank B 
and I can be making more money because I'm not paying the fee on that balance, on such a big balance, right? Just, just, some, ideas, just some ideas. So I do like that idea, but I worry about the people that can't afford paying for that banking of a service. They're kind of fucked with getting that, like that free plan. And then they're more susceptible to getting correct in the market. And these are the people that need those funds the most. We have funds to lose, right? And this is kind of what we were talking about earlier today, how for the most part, people don't really care because their bills and that's like kind of all they have left after getting paid. So I wonder how that would affect people that aren't able to afford things, but I think it's so, not important, but it is. I think, you know, if we still had FDIC, like the reason why Silicon Valley Bank was such a big deal was because I think it was like, 90%, it was definitely in the 90s, 92, 90% of the funds were FDIC insured, right? 90% of the accounts were over 250K. So I guess what my point is, is that in some banks that are serving the super wealthy, charge them a percentage to have a service where they can come back to more than 250K. The rest of the people can be FDIC insured. And that would definitely help make sure, well, kind of, but it would definitely help make sure that all the FDIC funds are actually, yeah, it would. It would make sure that the FDIC funds aren't wrecked because now we're using FDIC funds to bail out deposits that weren't eligible under FDIC. You know what I mean? So yeah, that could be, that could be something. That could, I don't know, you know? Something's gonna change though. You know what I mean? Like banks are, they, they're capital allocators, right? That's what they do. They, they allocate capital. So unless they've written a written agreement that they're not going to allocate your capital, you give it to them, they're going to fucking allocate it. To some guy who may not pay his loan back, to bonds that may lose their value in a few years, maybe 100x leverage on Bitcoin next, who knows, you know? So yeah. I think something has to break in order for there to be real change. I don't think, I, yeah, I, I guess, I guess I would agree with that. It's just a lot of people are, are, have said like, oh, I think something needs to break for the Fed to pivot and this is something breaking. I'm more like for something to change, like it needs to like crumble, not like break, like not like a broken arm, like an arm is the severed arm. Something needs to be severed, you know, where it's like, okay, we're wrecked. Like we're wrecked. Like we can't, we can't go back. Yeah. Like you know, everything it's all on fire. It's like, oopsie, <laughs> stepped a little too far. And then they'll maybe contemplate changing things. I feel like it's a lot of the people who are in power now when it comes to politics, like they're just so money hungry when it comes to money. They're like, you know what? This is how we've been doing things and we'll just keep doing it and trust the system and blah, blah, blah. And even though you know, our debt just keeps climbing up. Like that's just how we've been doing things. So it's interesting the time that we're living in right now and that we are fortunate enough to be in this world where we have access and that people like actually want to look and read the fine print and be like, bitch, hello. Right. Yeah. <laughs> where, where? Yeah. And that we live in this time where we can opt out of the financial system with Bitcoin. And it's not that you couldn't do that in the past, but you know, a lot of people, a lot of people don't know that there was a time 
where it was illegal to own gold in this country. It was illegal to own gold. Why? Because they were like, no, no, no. You guys are bag holders. You guys aren't, you guys aren't gonna exit this fucking system and leave us with the fucking bag, right? Dump your dollars on us and take out all the gold on the reserve. And now you guys have all the real money and we're left with the fucking paper money. So they said, no, no, no. If we if we catch you with gold, we're jailing you. Right now, come and turn your gold in, and we're giving you the dollars for it, and that's it. Right? The dollar used to be able to be back or used to be able to be transacted for actual gold. And I think we're already seeing now that they're cutting the rails for us to exit the system, you know? So you don't want to be one of the people, right? Like a, a great a great analogy I heard is Bitcoin is insurance on insolvent financial systems. You can't buy insurance when your house is on fire. No one's going to insure you, right? No one's going to, you know, your house is on fire. You're like, it's not completely burned down yet. Like, right. I- no one, everyone's going to act like they don't fucking know you, you know? And so when shit starts burning down, it's going to be, all the life rafts are going to be bought up and the ones that have it are going to be burnt down because they're like, you're not fucking leaving. You're a bag holder. You know, you're a U.S. bag holder. So, yeah. What does that look like to you? Like that world where we can't exit the system? Like, what do you think like a ban on crypto would actually look like in the U.S.? I think it will look like what's what's starting right now is that all the bank services, you start start with the on-ramps, all the bank services, and you basically block them from letting money flow into the system. But then I also think that there would need to be a intranet and that's why i was talking i was talking in our group chat like the iron curtain like russia did you're like okay no you don't have that you have a uh you have an intranet you don't have an internet right you have an intranet so chop the chop off the banks and then make an internet a closed system and then you can do that but you know what you know what's gonna happen if they fucking do that we've already seen that they've done capital controls before. They do that, they're gonna fucking spook people. And the wealthy people, the smart people who have too much to fucking lose, who got more than 250K in the bank, are gonna be like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Like some people are gonna, like when, 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 the, when the curtain comes up, some people are gonna be too late, but people are gonna see the signs before and they're gonna fucking get out of here. And we're gonna have a mind, we're gonna have a, uh, uh, I guess what I call an intelligence flight where the smartest people, the richest people are all, dumping their fucking dollars, that will definitely send Bitcoin to a million dollars because everyone is going to, Bitcoin is the best fucking asset for escaping your country. You can, you can carry a billion dollars in your fucking mind. Like, think about that for a second. Where else can you do that? 12 words. I can remember 12 words right here. Billion dollars. Right? You get a billion dollars in gold? Good luck getting that past the fucking border, you know? I could walk past the border. I got a billion dollars up here. They have no idea. I'm like, oh, yeah, sir. This guy doesn't look like he has billions of dollars. Okay, go ahead. You know? And then little do they know, as soon as I land, I'm fucking writing those down on a piece of paper and I'm withdrawing, you know, blah, 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 blah. That is, that's the real breakthrough. And that is what gives me a lot of faith is because Bitcoin is a friend to, uh, <laughs> Bitcoin is a friend to the elites. And so we got them on our side. The elites of China, the oligarchs of Russia, they need this fucking technology. They can't hold rubles. 
if they do something that the government doesn't like, they're gonna they're gonna fucking cut their bank account. But they can't cut their bank. They need to be able to have Bitcoin to flee a dictatorship. You know what I mean? And so we got the bill. I feel like you know we got the billionaires on our side because they're they're they, that's what I love about crypto and Bitcoin. It's just as much for us the smaller people as it is for the bigger people. I need to protect my little fucking chips, and they need to you know protect their whole I don't know tortilla. You know what I mean? Like, so, yeah, that, that's what's really cool. Any uh, last words, last questions? Do you? No. no, I just had a comment. We like made it into the Joe Rogan status, like two plus hours. <laughs> no. We were literally, we talked before this and we were like, okay, it's only going to be an hour, like at least 30 minutes, an hour tops, two hours. Two hours and six minutes. Look at that. No, it's it's funny that, you know, before we did the tech check, I was like, do I, I, I don't even know if, do I know enough to talk for an hour? Like, I don't know if I, like, can I, I don't know if I can do an hour. Like, you know, like what? And then we did the tech check and I started talking and I was like, oh yeah, like I'll probably will go over an hour. Like, that's why I told you, I was like, yo, let me know when you guys want to cut this off because I think I will end up going over an hour. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was like our first conversation too. It was like, oh, hey, I see that you're leaving Carvana. Do you want to just like chat about where you're going? And it was like, there was like Vanessa like before I met you. And then there's a Vanessa after I met you. Definitely, and, uh, you know, <laughs> right? One of these, you can go back to sleep. Yeah. And the other one, you can never go back to sleep. You know? And you it's took so the, true. Like in Matrix. The, yeah, no, you, you definitely took the right pill. Hopefully your followers and, and listeners uh, do that as well. Yeah, and then I was like spreading the gospel, like sharing that monetary policy video with everybody I knew and just like, no, but watch it. But like, watch it again. No, 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 no. But did you hear how like they don't actually have any money at the banks? Do you fuck around with airdrops? Oh man, I wish I did more. I wish I did. But you know what? Something I've learned in the past two years, like I really got active in crypto in 2020. Like it's funny because like Vanessa really met me like right after I was became what I call radicalized, you know? Like I went to like a sermon and I was like, oh my God, you know, like I'm different now, you know? And I really I jumped in and I was doing everything. I was like chasing airdrops, I was doing DeFi, I was doing yield farming, I was trading. I was learning long-term investment strategies. I was doing this and doing that. I'm like, I'm spreading myself too thin, you know? Like, I just need to be good at one thing. I at least master it first, get it down, right? And so I'm like, what do I love doing? What do I feel like I'm best at? Trading. And so I just been focused on trading, focused on learning how to read the charts, focused on writing algorithms, focused on uh, learning trading strategies and just staying focused on that for now. Like, I don't have to do this forever, right? I don't have to do that forever. But I want to get it down and be able to build myself some type, some type of passive income so that I have the time to explore how to fucking get all the airdrops and use all these new chains and do that. I just spread myself too thin. And so, no, I am not, I did not get the Arbitrum airdrop. I did get the one inch airdrop. That was pretty cool. I definitely kick, if you have, you know, uh, Miles Deutsch, I don't know if you guys know who that he is, he's on Crypto Banter. He said something that was really, really profound. And it's something that I've always said 
in a different way. And I've always said, you know, when people come to me, I'm like, oh, which crypto should I buy? Like, right. I immediately, oh, so like, all right. So which one should I buy? Like, don't buy anything. I want you to spend your time in crypto. That's what I want you to spend your time. Spend your time learning about this stuff. Spend your time understanding why. Because that is way more valuable than, and, and usually these people are like, you know, normal people. So they're going to throw like a thousand bucks in it. All right. Bitcoin doubles. You got 2000 bucks. Okay. That's not real value. Real value is learning about this stuff, learning the technology, learning why it's important. And so I've always told people, go invest your time, go and learn a few things and then come back and let's talk about what to buy. Right. And I bring that up because in crypto banter, crypto man ran and asked, okay, Miles, if you had a thousand dollars, what coins do you buying right now? And he's like, if I had a thousand dollars right now, I would be learning. I would be airdrop priority and using the different chains and investing my time and money and learning these ecosystems instead of like going and buy, what are you going to buy? Like, it's rare that you're going to buy something that's going to 100x, right? And that's the like, 100 grand for me would be life changing money, right? I, it, it would help me out a lot with my home and everything, right? But that's, other than that, it's not, it's nothing. And so he's like, I'm gonna, I would rather take my $1,000 and go do some transactions on ZK Sync and go do some transactions on Sui and go do some transactions on here and there and invest my time into uh, learning these things, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, shit is a lot of work. <laughs> what time is it for you right now, Pat? It is 1.18 a.m. Yeah. That's why I was like, they're like, what time does it start? I'm like, 11 p.m. EST. <laughs> Coolest award goes to Pat. <laughs> thankfully, yeah, thankfully, I'm up talking about shit that I, I enjoy, you know? Like, it's going to be hard for me to go to sleep now. So I'm, I'm going to be in bed. And just like, wired. Yeah. <laughs> All my money. Yeah. Oh, oh, it was just a bad dream. Just a bad dream. Like, why are you freaking out? You know, you don't Night have more than 50K in the fucking banks. That was one thing that was super funny about the bank runs is that, like, so many people were freaking out. Like, oh, is our funds going to be safe? Like, dude, you've got like 50K in the bank. What are you talking about? Like, your funds are fucking. <laughs> You're fine. This is for this is for the people in Silicon Valley. Okay, they're the ones who figured out. They've got millions of dollars in the fucking bank, right? Not for the the rest of us, us us little us little folks. Now, of course, if all the banks fail at the same time, someone ain't getting the fucking money, right? But it's just funny to see people who, even myself, kind of, who don't have more than two hundred fifty thousand, be like, oh no, I'll, my twenty dollars in the in my bank. <laughs> what am I gonna do? You know. <laughs> So yeah, it's funny. But yeah, this has been fun, you guys. Thank you guys for having me. Dude, thank you for coming on. Ever since we started doing this, we've been talking about it. Like you need to come on, you need to come on. Cause the way you can explain the charts and your enthusiasm around trading and the ultimate fall of the banks is the most entertaining thing ever. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I love to. I love, oh, that's funny that Miles said something about a Florida man. I was going to say like, like how you guys were like in uh, that previous vi video, like don't, don't just listen to us. You know, we're just basic bitches. I'm like, yeah, like I'm, I've studied this a lot, but like, don't just listen to me. I'm just a Florida man, you know, like I'm just a Florida man going to the beach, you know, like doing this, doing this fucking thing. So always, always do, do your research. <laughs> D-Y-O-R for sure. But yeah, this has been fun. I definitely uh, would be down to do it again. So yeah, yeah. cool. Uh, yeah. 
Oh, I guess one thing I will leave with, leave you guys with is, have you guys heard Steve Jobs talk about uh, the computer as a bicycle for the mind? No. no. So he, I mean, I'm probably going to butcher this because he just said it so much better than I can. But if you rank the top 50 animals, including humans, for most efficient travel when they exert energy, I think it was the peregrine falcon was like number one. And we were like number three, okay? But when you put a human being on a bicycle, it moves up to number one. And so what his point was is that we're tool wielders, right? We wield tools. That's what we do. Like, that's how we, right? Because if we went we out into the jungle with no tools, we'd be fucking wrecked, you know? But if you go out there with a fucking shotgun, who fucking yeah. wants something out, right? She's Everything's eating me, you know? No, I come out there with a fucking strap, shit's different now, you know? Like, yeah, fuck, yeah, you guys are talking the same That's shit. Yeah, exactly, you know? And so his point was that we were tool wielders and he called the computer a bicycle for the mind, right? And when I was thinking about that, I consider like crypto a bicycle for society, a bicycle for our monetary policy, you know what I mean? That we can offload this responsibility to a, a tool. Wield another tool. It's just another fucking tool in the set that helps us solve problems that we uh, are struggling to solve. Why have a human being trying to figure it out? Like, oh, fuck. Uh, oh, right. Like, 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 the Federal Reserve looks at the past month's data and make decisions today on the past month. Imagine you're in a car and someone's driving a car and like they're only using the rear view mirror to decide where they're gonna turn next. Or they're using information from 10 seconds ago. Like, bro, you missed the turn. Well, yeah, I, I don't know I missed the turn until I passed the turn. Now I gotta turn around, you know what I mean? And so going back to like, you know, I think that crypto is a, a bicycle for society and that we can run on these software systems and, 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 and take, the, take the burden off, right? Let us do other things. I, I was talking. I was talking with a friend. Like, do you think AI is gonna make us all lazy and we're not gonna do anything? Like, we just never do anything anymore because AI can do everything. I definitely think though those people are out there, right? Who just don't want to fucking do nothing. They just want to sit down, watch TV, right, and jerk off. Probably that's it, right? But there's also I can definitely say for myself if I had a billion dollars right now. I would be working in science, right? I would probably be working on self-driving cars or finding some way that I could contrib contribute to society. Uh, having all the money in the world would not stop me from working. But what it would allow me to do is to work on the things that I want to work on, right? And what, what, what does society look like when everyone has time to work on the things that they want to work on? That's a very interesting, uh, that's a very interesting thought experiment. Right. When everyone has the time, when what happens when no one needs to fucking deliver your food for you? That's a human brain. To me, one of the most valuable things on the planet is a human brain. Right. What happens when that human brain can do put its effort towards something else when it can be put through school because school is no longer for profit and it can, you know, they, they can become something else than a food deliverer. Not not to talk down on food deliverers, but 
I definitely think every food deliverer with the right education, the right motivation, and the, the right support could become a rocket, a fucking rocket scientist for Christ's sakes, you know, or work in medicine or do something that to bring society further. So yeah, that's leverage tools, right? Like I said, open your fucking arms and embrace the tools as they come in and embrace the tools. Instead of like trying to take my job and I'm like, AI is not going to replace developers, but a developer that uses AI will replace you. That is for sure. If you're still like- I like that take. Right? Like an AI or a developer that is using AI is gonna fucking replace you. Like, you know, we're, I, I think, I definitely think you'll get to the point where it's like, you're sitting here writing all that. You're not, you didn't use this tool to generate that. Like, you know, like a year from now, like you're still writing all your unit tests by hand. What the fuck? Like, I don't pay you to sit here and write fucking unit tests by hand. I pay you to solve problems that the computer can't solve, right? Because right now I can't, I can't just be like, hey, write me a trading algorithm that's making a billion dollars. I'm just going to kick back, right? ChatGPT can't fucking do that. But it can write me a unit test for my algorithm, right? And so that's where, that's where, that's, that's definitely where I think we'll go. Yeah, Florida man definitely can't stop and won't stop. So you definitely need to, uh, we need to just cut. <laughs> All right, Matt. Thanks. Uh, you can leave the rest in the fucking side notes. Just send us, just send us the email. We'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> I hope the chat's visible on the video. That'll be entertaining. <laughs> I hope so too. Well, that'll be fun. Guys are great. I Where can people find you, Pat? You can find me at Crypto Retina on Twitter. I thought you were gonna point. Can you point? Oh, oh, oh. you can. You can find me at. Yeah, really thought it was over here, but I guess it's, it's the opposite to my. Yeah, you can find me at Crypto Retina, and you can find me at SoundCloud Base Class Four Eight Zero. You know. Okay, before yeah. we like end end things, if everyone can just smile at the camera because this makes making a thumbnail so much easier. You're right. I saw a thumbnail today when I was, looking, I was like going through some YouTube videos and this girl's face was literally like, and I'm like, why would you, like, why would you use that as your fucking thumbnail, you know? So, oh yeah. Bitcoin is going to a million dollars. Oh, like the, the, the normal uh, crypto influencer face, like they've got a dick in their mouth and it's like, oh my god. <laughs> right? And then I love how like I click on it. Uh, uh, I wake up in the morning, I see it, it's just like, and then it's like Bitcoin's up like five percent. I'm like, what are you fucking like? What are you sucking on? That's so great. And Bitcoin's a five. Like, what? What do you mean? My mic. Every single day, every single time, Bitcoin goes down like five percent. They're like, oh, the markets, it's fucking over. Like, I've literally seen thumbnails. Just can like, we all? Oh. Can we all do that? What? Oh, Bitcoin's a billion. It's funny too, because like our crypto banter, he's like, I don't want, he's like, listen, I don't want to fucking do this, huh? You think I want to fucking sit there with my fucking mouth open? No, but I have to do it for engagement. It makes you guys click. So I'm like, it's us. We're the problem, you know? I yeah, because then you're like, yeah, I'm like, oh, well, I, yeah. I need to click and figure out what's going to, you know? It's us. We're the fucking problem. Yeah. Guess it all point to my win Lambo shirt. I hope that thing is just like <laughs> snap and snap, snap. Okay. All right, well. Full crop yeah. of wine. Yeah, two hours and 25 minutes. That is going to be one hell of.
It's going to be like a three-part series. Hey, you were asking how to uh, keep the content rolling, you know? There you go. Yeah, thank chop, you. Chop, 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 chop. You just blessed us with, yeah, all the things. Because then even you were doing you were doing some things and you were getting very animated. And I was like, oh, that would be a great gift. Pat, <laughs> like, huh? You know? Yeah. Get too animated <laughs> all right, you guys. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us and talking to us and rambling with us. This was fun. Yay. Yeah. Love awesome. you all in the chat. And don't forget, you guys, it's Monopoly money or Magic Internet money. Choice is up to you. <laughs>